Welcome to the Run for PRs podcast. This is your host, Victoria Phillippe. The Run for PRs podcast was created to give away the secrets to transform your training to reach your goals. We ask all the expert run coaches and athletes the questions that you've been dying to know the answers to. We will get the inside scoop on what really makes you the best athlete that you can be. Have you ever seen a fast runner and wonder, wow, how did they get so fast? Well, then this podcast is for you. We are going to do a deep dive to reveal the secrets to reaching your potential as a runner. Hey, Jason, we're so excited to have you on the show to chat with us about all things racing. And I thought that you would be the perfect guest to have on the show for this because you've ran four sub three hour marathons, five sub 115 half marathons, and you have 20 years of racing experience in addition to about 10 years of coaching experience. With that sort of resume, it's kind of hard to believe. Have you ever had periods of time where you haven't been racing or training for anything? Yeah, uh, I think definitely there's been years where maybe I only do two or three races for fun and I don't put pressure on myself to run a certain time. Um, as far as training goes during those years, I'm probably running just three to four days a week. So definitely nothing competitive, but just enough to kind of stay in shape. Um, and I like to refer to uh, the training levels as kind of four levels. So I guess five levels because the first level is a zero. So that would be kind of like uh, sitting on the sideline, not even being in the pool. Um, training level number one would be like being putting your feet in the little, little kiddie pool where you're running like three days a week. So that's kind of what I was doing there for a year or two when I wasn't training. And then training level two would be just kind of hanging out in the sh running. Uh, and racing maybe a year. And then um, training level three would be kind of hang out in the middle of the pool, ready to take that plunge into the deep end with when the training's going well, or you can just hang out there and run kind of however many miles you feel like, maybe five to six days a week. Um, so that's kind of how I'll be referring to these different training levels throughout our conversation today. Great. Yeah, that's a great way to put it with the couple different levels that you um, experience. And I know that if you're a lifelong runner, you know, you kind of go through periods where you're not training at all. And then other periods where you're training a lot and you're in PR shape, ready to, you know, crush some races. But it's good to know that even though sometimes you're not in those periods where you're going to PR, that you still can have races and be successful um, setting other goals for yourself with those races. So in terms of when you're in a marathon specific training cycle or you're training someone for a marathon training cycle, because I know you've done probably what, about 10 marathons? Yeah, I think nine or 10. Yeah. So I know you've done a lot of uh, marathon training cycles and you've done numerous sub three. So I'm curious what you think the best um, times to set up races in those training cycles in terms of 5k, 10k half marathon, um, or even a little, like a 15 K or 20 mile race, like what would be optimal optimization, um, during a marathon training cycle? Yeah. Um, I think it's going to depend on a few factors. Number one, um, uh, you know, what your goal is for that marathon and how experienced you are. And then also, um, if, if you're going to look at maybe like a six week, 16 to 20 week training cycle. So, um, for some people, I know they like to start with shorter distances and then build up. So if that's the case, maybe like after about a month, so about four to six weeks, you could do your first race, maybe a 5K. 
And then um, depending on when you did that, if you did that on the short end of, of those four weeks or so, then maybe you could do around uh, halfway through eight weeks, you could do a 10K. And then around 10 to 14 weeks, you could do a half marathon. So kind of just progressing that way. I know I've even done the opposite where you kind of get shorter as your training cycle gets goes goes on. And I don't think there's really a wrong way to do it. It's just about preference and what your goals are in your racing history. Um, I think back to, I think it was 20, 2015 before Boston, you and I both did, we did a 5k a week before. So I'd say that's a, that's kind of a little too close. Um, but it ended up working out for us at that time. So. Right. Yeah. I think that was like nine days before it was like a Saturday and then we raced on a Monday and I know, uh, for CIM, there was a Turkey trot that was on a Thursday. And then the following Sunday was the marathon. And I feel like that was almost a little bit too close for me also. Um, just because it's in the taper and it's tough to race while you're also tapering. Um, so maybe not the best time for a 5k in that final week, but sometimes, I mean, it works out for people, like you said. Um, do you find that it's hard to recover from racing a half marathon all out during your marathon training cycle? Uh, yeah, I actually find it almost harder than recovering from a, a full marathon. Um, for me, it's probably because I'm able to grind out close to my threshold pace, you know, and my PR is about 535 pace for a half. And I just noticed um, it, it really takes a toll on me. Um, you know, the acute uh, symptoms that I'm going to feel right when I finish are very similar to what I feel like when I finish a marathon. So trouble walking upstairs, um, cramping, that sort of thing. So for me, it's probably about the same. Um, and then as far as I would take probably a few a few or less days off after a half, maybe probably three to five days off. And then after a full, I'm probably looking to take at least seven. And then that second week I'd start up running every other day. So that's kind of how I would um, come back from racing, you know, all out in those distances. Right. And I think sometimes it's hard because I know traditional kind of training wisdom for a marathon training cycle is pick a half marathon that's, you know, between eight and four weeks out from your um, goal marathon um, to see like where your fitness is at. Whereas the last couple of years, I've been realizing that that's actually very taxing on your body. If you're going to be racing a half all out and then have your marathon um, like a couple of weeks later, because you have to recover from that and then still peak for your marathon. Um, so it's interesting. And I, I would, have you ever done like a half marathon at maybe goal marathon pace or a different way to frame it up? So you can maybe do a half marathon, but maybe not race it all out. Um, I think, you know, when I was training for my first marathon, this was before, um, the technology days of Garmin and having social media to, you know, post and learn from, but so it was, I think it was 2010, I did do a 20 miler and I thought that I had to you know, run it at the same pace I wanted to run for the marathon. And so I pretty much raced it without, without even progressing to 20 miles. I probably went from 16 up to 20 and, and then it was, you know, 16 easy miles. And then I jumped up to a 20 mile and did it in a race and I ran 202. So it was just around, you know, 608 or something like that pace per mile. Um, and then like three days later, I tried to go on a run and I got about a couple minutes into my run. My right, my right calf just tightened up on me and, um, turns out there was a small muscle tear in the, in the muscle fiber. And I went to my guy and he's like, yep, you're definitely going to be out a while. You need to do all this rehab. So this was, you know, the traditional three weeks out from my, what was supposed to be my first marathon, Twin Cities, which I didn't get to do. So 
um, I think if, if other people are going to try to race a half or, you know, maybe a 25 K or something like that, a little bit longer, you're definitely going to want to start slower, maybe at like a tempo pace, work your way into marathon pace, and then maybe finishing, um, slightly faster than that around half marathon pace, um, or threshold. So that's how I would approach, you know, doing those long training races. Right. Yeah. And then sometimes just having them at marathon pace, just to kind of like get your body in tune for the race and getting your body familiar with that race pace. But I think it is really interesting that you had that experience with, you know, the 20 mile race that you did. Um, You probably weren't even doing it all out as a race, but you were using it as a tempo. And that's a serious, (laughs) that's a serious effort right there doing a 20 mile, you know, like an up tempo effort. Um, And then it kept you out of your fall marathon which is a bummer but you learned from that and then now you've done nine marathons in the nine years since that day um and I'm sure you learned that not doing a long distance race you know three three weeks out that's probably optimal for you and a lot of people maybe listening they fall into the same boat as you mm-hmm yeah, it's, uh, I wish I could get that fitness back because I'm a lot smarter now. And definitely working with coaches over the years have helped me, you know, make those smart adjustments. Yeah, so speaking of, you know, those hard efforts, do you think that you should try to PR, you know, in like the 5K, 10K shorter distance race during your marathon training cycle? Or should you put a little bit less pressure on those you know, incremental races leading up to your marathon because the marathon's the main event or how do you approach it? Yeah. I mean, I think this question, it's really going to depend on so many factors and it's going to be, it's going to depend on the individual, um, how, how, uh, long they've been running, what their PRs are. You know, some people, maybe they have a really kind of weak 10 K PR. And so it maybe is possible. Yeah. to PR during your marathon cycle. Um, I think it's going to be more realistic for maybe beginner runners who are training for their first marathon. Um, it can, it can really just take a toll on your body. If you're really trying to race, you know, your way to get a PR in a 5k and a 10k and a half in the same, you know, 16 week training cycle. So I wouldn't really advise it, but I do see some people who are, you know, for example, I think you are someone who might be able to handle that and the training and the amount of work that you put into it. I think that if, if your workouts are, um, you know, as long as you're not racing your workouts and you're, you're being very disciplined with yourself, then it's possible. But again, those have to be spaced out accordingly and correctly. And you have to have time to recover in between. Right. Yeah. I like how you use the example because everyone is different. Um, like you said, maybe I could be able to, or I, in the past, I maybe have done that. Uh, whereas maybe a few cycles in the future, I'll never be able to do that again. So as you kind of mature as a runner, it becomes harder to PR. And as your PRs get faster, you know, it's harder and harder to take those times down. Um, But it's just good to know, like, don't compare yourself to other people and don't compare your current marathon training cycle with past marathon training cycles. Um, Just because you don't PR in the 5K, 10K doesn't mean that you're not on track to PR in your marathon. Exactly. Yep. Because I right now, I can tell you this. I could PR in a marathon and probably come nowhere close to PR in, in those other events. So I would just need to get to a certain fitness level where I can run a PR in my marathon. And I, that does not mean I would be in shape to break 113 and a half. So, or, you know, 15, 28 and a 5k so far away from that. Um, I could probably PR in my half and the full and not even touch that in the 5k. So 
it really just depends on, you know, your racing history, how long you've been running, what your PRs are, all that stuff. Yeah. And you're a unique example just because you have so many years of racing behind you um, for people listening. I mean, he's been running for the last 20 years competitively. Um, so, I mean, you really had a chance to optimize your speed, like when you were younger. Um, and now it's like, maybe the events you could PR in are, you know, 10 K half and marathon, but maybe even as you're getting older, if you have that extensive experience when you're younger, it might be harder to, you know, PR in the 5 K and those shorter distance races. Um, so it's always good to keep that in mind when you're setting goals for yourself, leading right. into your, uh, races. Well, and to give you another example, you know, the mile, for example, I, in college, I ran a four fourteen, and, um, you know, if I can just break five right now in the mile, to me, that's, that's a PR for where I'm at. So each year, that's kind of my goal is, is just to break five. And so um, knowing that I'll never get back to that fitness level, just because you don't have the, um, you know, everything you had, all the supports in place that you had back in college with, with um, coaching, the track, your teammates, the races, all of that. Um, so it's just, you, you kind of got to define what is a PR for you and not put so much pressure on yourself to run a certain time, but maybe just to increase where you were the prior race or the prior year and just try to kind of progress from there. Right. So isn't that tough to kind of stay motivated when you know, like your best days are behind you or what are some things that you've, you know, kind of walked yourself through, like how you stay motivated to even train and compete, um, knowing that, for example, like you're never going to run a 414 mile, but you just did a one, you do a one mile race almost every year. Um, so what kind of keeps you motivated in that sense to continue to do one mile races, even though, you know, it's kind of over <laughs> in terms of fastest times. Yeah. I mean, you know, you could ask a, you could ask a professional athlete, the same thing who knows they're on a bad team, right? Like they still want to win. They still want to go out there and put forth their best effort. Um, even though it may not be their best season, and they may miss the playoffs, but it's kind of the same for us runners. Like it's not necessarily about um, running that PR, but a PR um, for them might just be um, showing up or setting a, accomplishing a goal that they, that they set maybe a month ago or, um, you know, 20 weeks ago, whatever that was. So you're kind of making these modifications in your head. You're setting some goals and you're seeing if you can achieve them. And that's really what it's about. Um, and then for me, it's just the camaraderie. You know, I've met so many great people over the years from from races, and it's fun to connect with them and to um, just see them because a lot of times you don't see them at other places. The only times you'll see them is at certain races. Um, so I just like – and then also when it's finished, when it's all over with, you just take pride in how good it makes you feel. So not just physically but mentally um, and emotionally. So that's kind of why I still do it. And I've learned to not worry so much about running – you know, these fast times, the older I get. Right. Your times are still pretty fast. I think most people listening would agree. Uh, but it, yeah, I like how you said that about the social aspect. Um, it is just a hobby, kind of like what you said. And there's people you've met through the sport that you see at these races and they're, they're going after it every year and their best times might be behind them too, but it's just all about going out there and kind of pushing yourself and, working with other athletes to get the best out of each other on race day. Um, it's not really all about the times, which is great. Yeah. Is there a such thing?
thing as racing too soon in the season? Because I know you've said you've taken um, extended times off from running, you know, like maybe a month straight where you don't run at all. Um, is is there a such thing as racing too soon? Or do you think you could just kind of jump in after a couple of weeks of training into a race? And how would you give yourself or how would you approach races after extended time off? Boy, that's a that's a good question. It, I think it's going to depend on what's your definition of racing. Are you doing it to run a certain time or are you just doing it to kind of kind of shake the rust off and, and try to get back into the um, habit? So um, I don't know if there's such thing as racing too soon. Now, if you're trying to go after a certain time and the fitness just isn't there based on, you know, not having prior workouts or prior races to get you ready, then then, yeah, it might be too soon. But I think just just if you just modify what you're hoping to accomplish on race day, then there's really no such thing as racing too soon. Um, I used to think that I needed to race myself to get into shape. I used to think that it would take me a couple five Ks to be able to run, you know, like a sub 16. Um, but now I'm finding it's really just about consistency over time. And if you're putting in the miles and you're doing some occasional workouts, you're, you're staying healthy, you're not burning out. And then, you know, we kind of talked about this last night about, about redlining, but when we get into the race, it kind of feels good to really go after it because you're not super used to it. And then you surprise yourself and you're happy with your overall time at the end. So, um, I just, you could also use your heart rate too, to determine that, but you know, I'm not really big in a heart rate. I'm more, I'm more big into just, um, perceived effort levels, but some people are really into that, that data that they get from their heart rate. So they could use that to help them. Right. I like how you said there's no such thing as like racing too soon, but sometimes the goal might be too aggressive for the fitness that you're in. Right. Um, I know you've probably seen people do things like that. Me, for example, I don't know, a couple of years ago at Torchlight, I had a very aggressive goal in mind that I wanted to hit and I kind of knew my fitness wasn't there, but I was just going to go after it anyways. Um, and we all kind of know how that ended so um have you ever had a race where you just are stubborn with your goal and you're not in the fitness and you know you're not and you just go after it anyways how does that usually end for you gosh I mean it doesn't usually end a certain way because I can't think of any races off the top of my head I know there's been workouts where I I go to the track with this expectation of running these certain times for uh, a one mile repeat or a 1200 1000 or an 800 and I kind of correlate those times to what I'd run in college. And of course, this was back in my mid 20s when I was only a few years out of college. But um, and I would get upset when it, it felt really difficult to try to achieve those times. Um, so the older I've got, I've gotten smarter about not expecting those unrealistic times for races. But God, if there was one race, it'd probably be, you know, I kind of went in the L.A. Marathon thinking and this was just about three or four years ago now. <laughs> I kind of went in thinking I could run a PR and I was a little naive to think so because I just, you know, I know I did a few solid long runs and a few solid tempo threshold work, but it just, it was only like two and a half, three months. And it wasn't, um, you know, there were times where I had to take days off because I thought I was getting hurt or whatever. So it wasn't super consistent. Plus I underestimated the heat and the amount of hills in the beginning of the course. So I kind of went out a little fast with, these other guys I got talking to from Minnesota and I just uh, 
ended up running into Ed, another Minnesotan, around mile 13. And then by by about 15 or 16, he was already pulling away. And so um, I think that's probably the only distance where, you know, and I, the only reason I think distance is because it hasn't really happened in the other distances. So I figured, oh, I could get away with it here. But no, it's a marathon. It's a totally different beast. So Right. So even though you were in shape, it, I remember that day being super hot. We we checked the weather forecast and I said on the bus, ah, I don't think I'm going to go after a PR today. And you were like, didn't say anything. And I was like, uh oh, maybe yeah. I should go after one. But yeah, it was pretty hot. And when you're used to those Minnesota winters for training and not getting exposed to the sun at all, the sun just bakes you. But you still ran like 257, I think, that day, which is still pretty, pretty good. You know, only. 11 minutes off your PR, which I'm sure kind yeah. of stings a little, but if you look at my split. So I was going out a little too aggressive. I should have been a lot more conservative and I should have properly fueled. I, I totally forgot, you know, my electrolytes, my salt tabs, what I'm used to taking. So I was feeling the cramps starting around 18, 19. And um, I think if I was just smarter going into it, I could have definitely ran at least closer to the PR. I'd have gotten it, but you know, at least it wouldn't have been as, as painful or felt better at the end right <laughs> so yeah. that's always a benefit mm-hmm. um, so we've talked a little bit about like your 5k PR being from uh you know like nine years ago but you do you but you said that you think that you can get back into marathon shape um, but do you think that you'd ever be able to PR in the 5k again? Uh, I mean, I wouldn't say never, but I just think that that would require, I, I think that would be harder. Um, you know, I don't know what that pace is off the time. I had. It's probably like 456 or 457 pace. So that's just going to require a little bit different specialized training, probably going to the track, doing some more speed. And to me, it's really hard to do that while I'm training for like a marathon and to stay healthy. Cause I've been sort of injury prone over the years. Um, haven't always taken the best care of my body. So it would be, it would be very difficult to do both. I think I'd rather focus on one or the other, but I think if I did, for example, if I did the marathon focus on that for a season and make, let, let's say I got it or whatever, then it might be easier to then kind of carry that fitness into the shorter distance since I built that strong base. So that's probably how I would approach that. Right. That sounds like a lot of training and to be training for, you know, a 5k PR and a marathon. Um, that's a lot of workouts that are yeah, going to go into that, that goal. I would have to turn into like Patrick Cutter. And I just don't think that my body <laughs> would be, and I'm just, I'm not as motivated as I used to be either. So kudos to him though, for being one of the rare people who can go out there and, and just have that range across all distances. Um, you know, that kind of, kind of keeps me inspired as well. So yeah, maybe, he's a maybe beast. Maybe someday I can get to a, a certain time in at least one of those distances and him and I can go go and run next to each other again. But um, <laughs> And there's some other guys too, some more local runners who, you know, I've been friends with for years who are still really running respectful times. And it's it made running a priority. It's part of their lifestyle. And, um, you know, I think that I just need to continue being consistent because I'm on the right track for this year. Um, I think I'm probably running the fastest I've ran since 20, 2015 or 2016. So trying to get back there, but it's going to be a slow process. 
Yeah, that's great advice. Um, how it's a slow process and just the consistency. So when you say like you think you're in the best shape, um, like how do you know what sort of shape you're in? How do you judge that? Um, I think a couple things. Obviously, races and and those sorts of um, you know, they kind of give you a checkpoint of where you're at, and then how quickly you're recovering from workouts too, and what sort of times you're putting down in workouts because I've been really careful not to overdo it so that I don't get injured. Um, and so I can recover quicker. Um, so I think it's, it's really just about monitoring those two things and you know, the, the times don't lie. So. Right. But I mean, even going into a race, like let's say um, you haven't raced in a while, like you did the TC one mile. How do you know that you were in sub five minute mile shape? I mean, were there workouts that you did or were you just kind of like, well, I'm just going to go out and go off a field or what was your approach? uh, That's the mile. I, I, I feel like the mile is short enough where you can rely a little bit more on your talent and just kind of that anaerobic, like, like, you know, when it gets hard, you're still going to be able to sprint. And, you know, you've done a few workouts where you've done, you've opened it up a bit and you've done strides. I think I went to the track maybe twice to do some 400s or something. So I kind of knew that I could do that. Um, but, you know, the race I did just recently on Memorial Day, I was kind of, I kind of surprised myself um, in the 5K. And I just, I just, the way I approach it is I make sure I go out at a pace where um, I think I could run that pace for the entire time. And, I guess that's how you're supposed to do every race, but I always like the negative split. So for me, it's, I want to go out maybe 15, 20 seconds slower than the pace I think I could finish at. So, and that's, that's basically what I did. Um, went out in 5.30, finished at 5.15. So um, that's kind of how I approach those other races is you kind of just guess and gauge where you're at and then modify your pacing plan based on that, like going out a little bit slower and then trying to finish strong. So I've always right. been there's, a negative split person. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of guesswork involved kind of when you're going into those races. I know a lot of athletes, they sometimes get a little um, unsure or antsy as the race approaches because they're like, wait, how do I know I'm in this shape? And, you know, you can have workouts that are indicators and you can have other races that are indicators, but the bottom line is like, you never really know how a race is going to go. Like you could have a race that just is a flop. And for whatever reason, you just feel like crap. And it's just like, not your day at all. Um, which is rare, but it happens to people. And I think that's kind of where some of the apprehension comes from. Mm -hmm. Um, but in terms of like, when you, when you decided, okay, Brian craft 5k, I'm going to go out at 530 pace. Like, was there any sort of workouts that you did leading up to that where you're like, okay, I know 5.30 pace, I could probably run for a 5K. Like, were you doing mile repeats or 800s? Or what was your, um, like, gauge there? Um, I had a few good workouts, like, in April. And a couple of them were, like, longer tempos. Like, I think I did four miles, so like, six, just around 6 or 6.0 pace and on the road. So I was pretty content with that. And then um, – yeah, I think I did a few workouts on the track that were a bit shorter, probably 800s um, in May. And then what, what concerned me about that race was I, I got injured the week before um, where I took a full week off. And so I really didn't know what I was going to be able to, to do during the race. And I just was like, well, you're going to have competition. You're going to have people around you at all times. You know, 
you you know you're supposed to be in that race because it's the same people every year and I like to run with some of the same guys so I just tried to go out with them and let them carry me through and felt felt strong because it had been a while since been in that atmosphere so um, and I think it helped having really cool weather too which, which just made it really nice Right. Yeah. That, that downpour rain, that was really fun to run in. Um, but no, I think the times are really fast this year. Um, and I know it's interesting if you look back, cause you've done this race probably, I don't know, seven like or eight, eight yeah. yeah, seven or eight times. And your times have literally been ac- all across the board from like 1730 all the way to like 1550 or something. Um, but yep. you still go out and do it every year, regardless of like what shape you're in. Um, is it like a way that you kind of gauge how the year is going to go? Or do you not really think about the results that much? Like, is it good to look into it and to do that? Or should people like not analyze their race results like that? <laughs> I think I do it for fun. Like after I, I kind of, I don't know. I've just been able to better identify, I guess, where I'm at, like a, like with, within a pretty good ballpark, like 20 second estimation, like I'm either going to be on the front end of this or the back end of this. So the goal was to run about 17 minutes flat. And, um, I did surprise myself running 1640 something, but I, if, if I would have ran 17, you know, if I would have been on the other side of 17, like say 17, 20 or 17, 15, I still think I would have been content. I wouldn't have been upset with myself. So I think it's just, it's about being open to, you know, living with the fact, oh, I'm, I'm going to be anywhere in this range. And um, hopefully you you end up in there somewhere. Because if you don't, then you're going to really be, you know, kicking yourself. But yeah, I I don't necessarily set A goal, B goal, C goal. I just do kind of a range and then hope that I fall in that range. And I kind of do that for most race distances as well. Yeah, that's good advice to kind of not really overanalyze too much um, and just kind of have a range that you'd be happy with and just know that some races you're going to feel great. It's going to be on the that good side of your goal. You're going to, you know, run faster than you think. And other times, you know, you might fall a little short, but that's still the, still the effort in the trainings there. And it's not really like an indication of, you know, how the rest of the year is going to go. It's just one race. It's just one bullet point in time. Um, and then just moving on from that and focusing on, you know, the next race. Cause it's not, you know, it's just a chance to push yourself. It's not really, it doesn't tell you like, Oh, you know, Jason's running days are over forever because he ran, you know, last year at Briancraft, you ran 1730 and you could have thought to yourself, well, you know, I'm the oldest I've ever been. That's the slowest I've ever ran. Mine as well. Just, you know, I'm never going to get faster, but instead you just kept training consistently, um, and then you, you run like a minute faster the next year, even though you're, you're older, um, you can reverse trends. And I think sometimes people, they get so wrapped up in the one race result or like a bad season or a bad year or a bad, like two years. And they think, well, I guess my PR days are over. Um, like, do you think that people's like PR days are over or at what age do you think people like start really declining? <laughs> Oh my gosh, this question is so like, I, it, it's really going to depend on the individual. I know people in their mid fifties that were still running extremely fast half marathon and marathons. Um, you know, there's a couple of local Minnesotans that you probably know. Um, Billig is one of them, John Van Daniker, Rob Economy. I mean, these guys are, they're all grandmasters runners and they're out there crushing it. So 
you know, but then there's what sort others. of times are they running? Well, you got to share the times <laughs> in the two forties for the marathon. And then their half times are usually around one fifteen to one seventeen. So they're still out there running a pretty good clip. Um, you know, I think one or two, I think two of them got under 17 at, at Brian craft. So for a 5k, so that's, it's pretty damn impressive. Um, it just goes to show you like it's, and they've been doing it a long time too. I think, I think we looked up the results from the first year Brian Kraft was ran. I don't remember. Do you remember what year that was? Oh, I think it was like 1998. Yeah. Maybe 98. Yeah. Or one of those guys So it just, so that right. was 20 years ago. So he probably would have been about my age almost like he's probably 35. Um, right. And I, be- I remember their times were only like a minute slower than what they're running now and they're in their late 50s yeah so i mean maybe again maybe it's um stages of their life too like i know all of his kids are out of the house now and so maybe he's just able to train more and um i think everyone's different but it's really going to be about yeah the goals that you set how committed you are the consistency um finding those little things that keep you motivated and just constantly reminding you about why you why you're doing it um because you can only have so many PRs, you know. That is true. And I feel like that's a tough lesson to learn. I feel most runners can PR. You know, they got that that streak, you know, the first couple of years that they run. I'm sure you can relate because when you're in middle school, high school, college, it's probably like PR city all the time, every year, every season. Um, and then even after college. But then it kind of stops. And the, the first couple of races or seasons where, like, you don't hit a PR – it can be kind of like yeah. sh- shaking to no. your ego. Like, what do you do? After, like, really I did a PR. Yeah, I was like that uh, cross country in college. Um, I ran freshman year. At the end of the year, we had a wicked fast race um, where it was super flat, nice weather, everything. I ran 25, 47 for five miles, which is an 8K. And then I didn't touch that time until my senior year. So I don't know what happened the next two years. You know, we, we obviously ran on some tougher courses, had some, some more severe weather to run through, but, um, just being patient and, and that, you know, that's kind of what keeps you, keeps you going is just having that hope too. Um, and wanting to, to try something new, to change something about your training and to see if that has an effect, see if that's going to bring you results. So I think over Hmm. the years, that's, that's been what motivates me as well. Yeah, so you went four years without PRing in cross country in that 8K. But at the same time, like during track, you know, when you entered your freshman year, what was your mile time there versus your senior year? Because like maybe you were making improvements, but you just weren't seeing them in, you know, one specific race result, which I think a lot of people, they do. It's like you're making improvements, but maybe like the race time, you know, that day, that course, it's not showing. But then if you look at it long term or in other areas, you're you are making those incremental improvements. So what was your mile time, if you don't mind me asking? Well, progression. Um, my freshman year, they still ran the 1500. So it wasn't it wasn't a mile yet. Um, but I think it was uh, well, sophomore year, it was pretty it's pretty much the same sophomore and junior year It was around 417, 418. And then senior year, made the jump to 414 but um so i mean you know you think four seconds that doesn't sound like a lot but it's cutting down a second per lap or you know i guess indoor it'd be half a second per lap but it's it's tough to do um 
you know, a second means a lot in the mile. In fact, I was, I missed going to nationals by less than a second. So 413 point something was the cutoff and I was a 414.6. So, um, yeah, it's, I think it depends on the distance for sure. Um, that's, school, yeah, that's a bummer to miss it by, school, you know. I can tell you the high school progression in the mile. That was actually, um, you know, year after year, I did show improvement there, but it started to get harder as I got older. So the freshman year was 501. Sophomore year, I think it was um, 442. Junior year was um, 438. And then senior year was 434. So that's what Dang. I graduated with, but. Yeah, so then you took 20 seconds off in in the same four years, you know, essentially. It was probably yeah. the same year you did the cross country. Yeah, so it's just interesting how sometimes, you know, you don't you don't see improvements in one distance, but then, like, you have a breakthrough in another. Um, or sometimes, you know, it, it takes you, like, three years to hit a breakthrough, which is super weird because it's like you're training consistently, and it, it's almost, like, frustrating. Like, what's, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? And then finally, like, boom, you have, like, a massive breakthrough. And I think the same thing happened. Um, to coach Ben, like he was stuck around the same times for three years in college. And then finally a senior year, he took like 60 seconds off his 5k, which is insane. Um, but it just goes to show you like the consistency, you might not see that payoff right away, but then over time, like it'll always, um, be there. Yeah, for sure. Um, so speaking of consistency, do you think that it is possible to race too frequently? Um, you know, it kind of, it depends on what, how much of an effort you're putting forth in each of these races. Cause I'll do some races as like a tempo or a workout just because I, I like to go through that process of preparing like I would for a race. And that helps me, you know, not have like race day anxieties, it helps me get in that routine of, of going to the bathroom, hydrating, fueling properly, all that stuff. Um, and then that helps me focus on running an even race or negative splitting even. So I think that if you maybe r- racing too frequently, I think if you're doing more than one or two races a month, then yes, I think it does become too frequent. Um, and if you're actually trying to race those races, you know, where you're trying to run close to where you're at, uh, where your potential is at right now, based on your fitness. But right. that's, that's Based- probably all I would do right now. I think we're doing about one, one a month. And I, I feel like that's perfect because that allows you time to recover. It allows you a couple of weeks in there to, to get a few solid workouts in and look forward to the next one. Right. So, so about one race a month is probably your max. And that's in those shorter distance races, probably, you know, like the one mile 5k, 10k sort of deal, which is, that's good advice. Um, yeah. And then in terms of, you know, you said you, you use some of them as tempos and I've seen you do that over the years. I don't know how you have the self-control to do that because me, when I go to a race, it's like, I'll say, yeah, I want to do it as a workout or whatever. Um, that just doesn't happen for me. And I, I kind of know that about myself. Um, I'm not really sure yeah. why that is, but do you think that there's other people out there? I mean, you, you probably know, are there other people out there who like they just can't do that. I mean, Matt Bullmeister is someone who comes to mind. Um, he like pretty much only races if he's like in peak shape. And I mean, is there like certain things about people's personalities where they can like, they know this about themselves and they should just not race if they're going to take it too seriously or what is your advice there? Yeah. I mean, I think it's all about knowing yourself and asking yourself, what is really the point of doing this race? Because 
you know, some people, they do the races, um, to, they do every race because they want to PR. Some people do it because they want to just post on social media and have something to talk about. Other people want to do it to see their progress. Um, I do it for the camaraderie and then also to kind of see my progress to see if I can just um, get, get the goal that I set forth to do. So um, that's kind of why I do it. But I think you got to know yourself and you got to know um, kind of how to be disciplined, how to hold yourself back a bit. Right. I do think it is good, like self-control practice. I always say, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to race this one. I mean, I used to say that. I don't say that anymore because I, I know myself better now. But and then I, you know, you start off conservative, but you end up racing in the end just because you're in a race, you know, and it turns out I just can't do it. So I think, yeah, knowing yourself and just knowing um, is this something that is this going to be in line with your actual goals? Because, I mean, if you could say, hey, yeah, I'm just going to use this as a tempo. But if your motivation for racing is to like race and you like that feeling of like redlining and like pushing yourself and you're super competitive, like maybe a race isn't the best option for you. Like even for me, I can't do um, like group runs or group training because I'll be in a group and all of a sudden I'm like, oh, I got to go fast because they're going fast or I like will push myself too much. It's like I'm too competitive with other people around for some reason i don't know i think yeah they've, they've like, said stuff like that yeah I, that kind of goes back to thinking about college where you know you have a bunch of teammates that you you work out with all the time and you got certain teammates who maybe can can you know i'll use it, this example two two guys that i know on my team they could always be me in workouts they would always be like the first two done with any interval we did whether it's a, a 1k or a, a mile or whatever and then come race day they were never in front of me so it was just one of those things like I don't know what it is if it's if it's just um just a different mindset or what but or if it's I was a little bit more kind of holding back trying to but I but I felt like here's the thing I felt like I was really working hard in practice so I don't know what it was about the race that I was able to execute and put it together but um and I know some people they like you said, they struggle with, with holding back. But I think if, if you have a, a plan in your head for going out the first mile, let's say you're doing a 5K, 10K half, doesn't matter. You have to be close to that, that, you know, that first mile that you want to achieve. And if you're way under, then you set yourself up for failure right away. And so I think that's how people redline. And it's best to be, it's best to be on the other side of that and run slower so that you can try to make up for it as the race goes on but um so that's kind of how i've tried to approach every race and workout especially since a few years after college um trying to run progress progressively and negative split right yeah i know you mentioned how the people on your track team they would beat you in workouts but they would never beat you in race day which is interesting um, I think that kind of brings another topic of like racing your workouts versus running your workouts. Like, are you hitting the appropriate paces? And I think that's another place where it, you can kind of gauge your fitness off these workouts. Um, but then you're tempted to go a little faster and maybe redline slash race those workouts versus doing them at the appropriate paces. Cause I know, you know, over the years I I've done various different training plans and I'm always like, Oh, well, the, the pace says to go 630 for my mile repeats. Uh, I know I can hit, you know, 615s, but will I be dipping into the well at that point? Um, 
Right. And it, it can be tempting to like test yourself and say, Hey, I want to see like, how fast can I do this workout? But that's not the purpose of the workout. You know, the purpose of the workout is to improve your threshold or whatever. Um, and I think we've kind of talked about that is holding back in your workouts. Like you should always finish a workout and every rep of most of your workouts, unless you're training for like a one mile anaerobic, like 800 meters or something. But mm-hmm. If you're training for like 5k and above, you should finish most of your workouts feeling like you can do another rep or you could have continued um, running for, you know, at least a little bit longer. And that's probably the appropriate zone to be training in. Um, Whereas if you're finishing a workout on your hands and knees, completely out of breath, dead, like just you're probably doing it too fast and you're almost like racing a workout, which is a real thing. Um, And I think a lot of people get caught in that trap of feeling like they need to race a workout because you know social media or you're in a group setting you know you're doing a group workout and your buddy is you want to be as fast as them and you so you work out as fast as them but they're not really tapping into the well like you are you know and then they end up faster but you're beating them in workouts and it's it's like a vicious cycle Um, I think a lot of people will get trapped in that at some point during their running career or maybe not because I feel like you well maybe you did after college you had your time where you were racing workouts but it's a it's a tough trap to get yourself out of because you think well I don't want to slow down on my workouts because then I'll get slower that's what people think but in reality um, it's actually usually the reverse that happens if you slow down on your workouts you tend to get faster and you're you have more left on race day because you're not constantly like redlining every single day on your workouts you know yep that's that's true i know a very select few you know once you get to a certain level of eliteness you can handle training in that deep end where you're constantly running pretty impressive you know workout splits and you're also executing on race day but i think that that only comes for people who are really experienced runners and who really just know how to recover and make sure that they're, um, you know, listening to their body as best they can. Cause that, even that, even those types of people will, will tone it back if they need to, um, or they'll take an extra day off or whatever. So. Right. No, that's good advice. And yeah, that's like a super elite level and, you know, they dedicate their whole, their whole lives to training. And I think that's, that's good to kind of notice, like, just because you see someone else doing it, you know, doesn't mean necessarily like that's the level you're at or how you should train. Um, but I know we talked a little bit about like overanalyzing your race results or maybe racing your workout. And I think that's all kind of connected and tied to having race day anxiety and really just worried about your performance and all of those things. So I know that you don't struggle a lot with race day anxiety. Are there things that you've done in the past that like help you? Um, or like, what advice do you have to athletes? Um, yeah, I guess for me, my body has always like known it's race day. Like I've always been nervous. Um, it's just something that it like knows what it has to do. But as far as like (laughs) my, my mental state, I'm not usually, I'm a little like anxious. I'm eager to get things going. Um, but I'm not super, I'm not like a basket case or, <laughs> you know, a head case. Some of the things that we use sometimes. But uh, what I like to try to do is, is kind of visualize, like just visualize. And we did this in college a few times too. And it really helps. Um, um, and I should actually try to go find the script 
maybe I have it on a computer somewhere. But it, anyways, if you visualize how you want to feel at certain parts of the race, I think that's really, really key. Um, and just it's about remaining confident in your fitness and where you're at and optimistic. Um, also, if, if you're a person that struggles with, you know, race day and executing on race day, maybe try lowering your your goal a bit instead of striving to that A goal, kind of go, go for more of that range. Um, and hopefully you can fall within that range. And then also you could look at doing a few more of, um, of your races as workouts, just so you get the practice of going through uh, the routine. Um, and then you re you soon realize like, Hey, it's really not that big of a deal. Like I just went out here and I actually felt great today. Um, and I was able to run a negative split. And so I think that is kind of a little victory that you need to have if you're, if you're struggling and, that could be a good way to overcome some of that anxiety. Right. So using some of them as workouts, um, starting slow, letting yourself finish strong. I think that's a really good confidence builder that we, we have a lot of our athletes do if they um, have race day anxiety. For me, though, I am like, I, I've been on all end of the spectrum, you know, starting slow, finishing fast. But generally speaking, I have the tendency in the past or even now to go out a little hard. Um, so I guess that's where I kind of get the anxiety from. Cause I'm like, Oh no, it's going to happen again. And I, I just don't want that to happen. Um, so that's always hard, but then just walking yourself through it and just getting I, like you're in control. Yeah. I think that you don't have to go out hard. Yeah. And visualizing it's okay to kind of go out somewhat aggressive as, as long as you visualize how you want to feel at X point in the race, because you know, with like grandma's marathon coming up, for example, I was always one to think about how do I want to feel at the top of lemon drop Hill when we have about a 5k to go. And that one year I, I ended up running a PR. I, I don't even know how I did it, but I had to run like 520 the last three miles and I was able to do it, but I just was constantly thinking even throughout the whole race, like, how do I want to feel at that point of the race? And then, um, it, that was just kind of a mindset that I've always had, even thinking back to college, um, with the mile, like how, how do you want to feel with one lap to go coming through that bell lap? Um, and like, you know, at what, at what uh, rate are you going to start to slowly progress and feel like you're putting, you know, putting the pedal to the metal a bit. So just kind of waiting around for that moment where you can throw down, I guess, is, is how you want to look at right. it. Right. Yeah, I think that's really good advice. Um, just seeing, like, how do you want to feel the last couple miles and then being patient until then. Yep. And I've only really had a few races where I've felt that in control the majority of the race. Mm -hmm. And they've really only been the races where I had pretty much no expectations going into them. Um, you relaxed Just because... Yeah. Right. And I think that's a huge component for people because they get to the race and they're so like uptight. Like I get like this. So when I'm talking about yeah. I'm saying like myself, you're just so just not relaxed at all. And your mind isn't relaxed. Your body can't be relaxed if your mind is like stressing out. Um, so I know it sounds super cliche because everyone has goals and everyone wants to hit their goals, but sometimes just like dropping the goal yes. and just be like, exactly. well, my goal is, you know, something that's like so easy. Like I'll, I'll set the bar so low for myself and I'll say, yeah, that's your goal. Yep. Um, which it, part of it's like not really motivating and you kind of feel like, well, I know I can do better than that. And you don't really share that goal with people or maybe you do, but, um, 
it's a goal that you know you can achieve even on like the worst day possible yes and then I just say to myself like that's your goal and you do this as a hobby and whatever you know like don't start freaking out about paces because that's another thing like anytime like I have you know a hard pace goal or you know a specific time I want to run I'll be so paranoid the first couple miles like looking at my watch every five seconds oh am I on pace you know oh I'm going too fast whatever um or like making sure the pacer's right next to me or whatever it is it's just it's hard to relax and just run and let your body like just do what it can do when you're hyperactive and just oh no like I'm off pace by a little bit um and I think it's funny because people didn't even used to run with garments like 10 years ago right um, yeah so that's true yeah because I know you didn't with your first half yep first half first full um you know my 5k PR none of those actually yeah none of those came with knowing your splits um you just I mean you could look down at your watch and do the math if it was marked um but yeah I think thinking about something that just keeps you positive and keeps your mind off the pain and suffering that you're going through, trying to stay as relaxed as possible. Um, so I think visualizing that ahead of time and during the race can, can be beneficial and not worrying about the time. Like, yeah, like I you do. said, like just I having a goal of just feeling good and strong that to me, that's more important. Um, the other thing too, is when I have ran really slow times and, and compared to my past, I'll just be like, well, better luck next year. Like I don't, I don't really dwell on it too long. I'm just like, whatever. What did you expect? You know, you haven't been that consistent or you haven't, you haven't really been putting in much, much effort. Um, or I guess you could say, right. you could say, cause some people could look, probably look at their training and be like, well, I guess I've been training too hard. Maybe I should tone it back. So it's just about trying to learn from, from each race and make some right. changes. Like for me, I always feel like everyone's been watching my training or like I have trained really hard. And like, since I have trained really hard, I should be able to do this. And then I always think, I mean, you probably don't have this. Well, maybe you do actually, because you have a lot of people who kind of, they know your name in the running community and they might look up your results or whatever. But for me, it's like on social media, if people see it or like I'm coaching someone and they ask like, how'd your race go? And like, you want to sound, you know, like you, you didn't have like a crappy race. Like no one wants to be like, yep, I had the worst race of my life. Right. And, um, I think that puts like extra pressure on people and with the whole like Strava thing. And I think the pressure was always there, but I think it's more amplified with like people sharing all of their runs on social media, people sharing their runs on Strava, their Strava now. And, um, I think, you know, people get in this headspace where you think people care about your training or they, they give a crap what time you're running, but really, um, anyone who has more than, you know, two years of running experience knows, you know, you're not always going to run exactly what, you know, all your workouts are going to indicate. And it's just all about having fun and, anyone who's going to sit there and, you know, overanalyze and like judge you based on your time performance and all of that stuff. It's just that you don't even want those people in your life anyways. And I feel sorry for anyone who does that and who sits on social media, like "Mm, she only ran this. And 
there are actually people that have gone on the internet and said things like that about my training versus my race results, which is so funny to me. Um, but I mean, I totally get it. Cause like I've been in shape before and I've, I've not ran to my potential in races, but I've also had the opposite happen. So it happens to everyone. And I think just understanding that and taking the expectations off yourself right. and knowing that no one's going to judge you. And if they do, it's more of a reflection on them. Exactly. The people you. that really care about you, they're, they're going to be the ones that don't care. I can show up to races year after year and people are still going to talk to me no matter if I'm running 18 minutes or five years, 15, 30, like they just, they don't care. It's more about just connecting again and, and, um, well, right. But I mean, you do, you do get those sarcastic comments from people sometimes. Like I've seen people say stuff like, Oh, not you, maybe not to you. No, people do do it to you. Like they'll say, Oh, I thought, you know, you would have been running, you know, 55 minutes for the 10 mile. Why did 62? What happened? You know, like they say stuff like that to you, to your face. And it's kind of like, geez, like, I don't know, like, I don't know what to make of that, or I don't know what advice well, to give to people who are also facing it that. Goes back to like the training level that, that each person is in. Some people just stay in that same, like, the deep end or as close to deep end as they can year after year, and other people they kind of get out of the pool and they come back in, and or they go to the shallow end or they go to the kiddie pool for a while. So it's just, it's really they don't, yeah, they expect because you once hit a certain time that you should always be able to hit it, but. um not if you're making other things in your life a priority and then running takes a backseat for a while. That right. Like maybe you're in grad school yeah. or maybe, you know, you're buying a house, you're moving, you have other stuff going on. Yeah. Um, so I think that's more of like when people are judging you based on the times that you're running, like they don't know what other crap is going on in your life. Like don't, don't let it get to you and just know that everyone has experienced that happening to them like coach ben had one of his athletes actually say to him were you even racing that race or why did you run that race and it's like those comments like they i think they come from like a like a place of like trying to be funny or or just i don't know like they're supposed to be like fun or they're supposed to make someone laugh but um i do think that they hurt people's feelings like no one wants (laughs) to hear something like oh like I thought you were better than that and you ran this um so just being aware like you don't want to say something yourself you know if you're listening to this and you're like "Mm," and you've said something like that to someone just maybe be more encouraging because I think the running community there are certain people in it yeah we're we're pretty judgmental (laughs) we'll say snarky comments yes exactly Um, or we're like, we're just hard on ourselves in general. So like, if we don't hit the exact marathon time that we hoped was like our A goal, uh, we can just say, oh, well, you know, you didn't try hard enough or whatever. And so like, if you're saying that stuff to yourself, you know, it's just tough. And I think just changing the attitude to being more positive and looking at all of the positive things that are coming out of your races and your workouts. Um, and if someone is saying stuff like that to you, maybe just kind of like block that out. Don't, don't talk to them about your training or if you do just don't give too many details. Cause they're just gonna say more snarky stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So any last words of advice for, people who have races coming up or race anxiety or any of the topics 
Um, we didn't really touch on like summer and weather and all that, but obviously, you know, temperature is going to play a huge role in, in race performance and in training as well. So just keeping that in mind about modifying workouts, race plans, all of that. Um, and we can't control the weather, so don't be hard on yourself about it. it just, it is what it is. We're all going to have those, those times where weather is on our side and, it's a great day. And then there's those days that are really, really difficult. So um, I know we've both been through a fair share of, of bad weather races, you especially at Boston two years ago. But um, yeah, the summer so far has been pretty nice here in Minnesota. But I think looking into next week, it's supposed to be like in the upper 80s. So it's going to heat up. Um, so no matter where you're listening from, just take care of yourself, extra fluids, eat well. Um, what about you? Do you have any other um, words of encouragement? I know you have a lot of athletes that are coming up to the grandmas this weekend. Are there any other big races that are coming up here in, in late June? Um, grandmas is really the last, yeah. the last big one. And oh. then, you know, the, you, there's always those like 5k, 10k's yeah. going Summer, on. And summer's summer. a good time to do um, but... that stuff, especially if you're doing it to just enjoy and not put so much pressure on the, the time. Um, Cause it is going to be hot. So you just gotta look at it as a workout. Right. Just going out there and yeah. having fun, being a part of the community, pushing yourself and using other people to push you too. Um, yeah, definitely the summer adjust your goals. Don't expect to, you know, match times that you were running in the spring or something when it was 30, 40 degrees. Um, it's going to be a different effort. Um, and then just knowing that in the fall, once the temperatures do fall, uh, you're going to be running a lot faster. You're going to be feeling really good and you're going to be really fit after a summer of training. Yeah. Especially um, if you were disciplined during the summer with your, with yourself and workouts and meaning you weren't racing them, you were going, you know, the pace you should have been going. So I have had a few, I've seen a few people kind of feel burnt out in the fall, but and that's usually why. So it's important to just be, be aware of that during the summer. Um, and don't progress. Right. That's great advice. Don't progress too quickly either. Like I did when I was training for my first marathon, made a big mistake. Um, yep. So don't burn the candle at both ends. Just if it's hot out and you see that your workout paces is like six thirty. Uh, you're, you're not going to be running 630, you know, you're going to be running a little slower and you're going to want to try to remember what that effort felt like in 40 degrees or 50 degrees. Um, don't burn yourself out this summer and just have fun with your training. Cause when the fall comes, it's going to be a good time for racing those longer distance events. And we're really excited for it. Um, so if anyone wants to learn more about training or work with us, you can visit our website at www.run for the number four prs.co i'll put the link in the show notes and thanks so much for talking to me today jason it was great to get your wisdom on racing yeah thank you for having me i appreciate it